Saints. Welcome to that. Thank you guys very much. Ladies, thank you very much for all you did at the Rise Conference. Uh, my daughter went to the Rise Conference, and I drove her car last night uh, for, and had a little tiara. And they thought it was weird that I just put it on and drove around, you know. So I was like, but uh, good morning. Everybody doing all right in New City? Yeah. yeah, man. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. And uh, if you haven't noticed, we broke out the whiteboard today. Everybody's scared. Everybody's like, uh-oh, what's up? But uh, what's that? We have to take notes, that's right. Yeah, you don't have to take notes, I'm going to take them for you. Actually, it reminds me, you can take notes on the app. We, we download the notes for you if you want to. So as slides come up, we've had people say, yeah, man, I couldn't write them all down. But you can actually put those on, put those like input those in the app. And you can send those to yourself on email. It's really, really pretty cool. So, uh, so that's a, it's a lot of fun to do it that way um, if you want to. But you can do it old school too. Just actually write it down in the bulletins. Plenty of pens, that kind of thing to write notes in. But if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, we got a lot of new faces in today. My name is Casey, one of the, uh, the pastors serving alongside you guys. Today is our annual Scout Sunday. Uh, welcome, sc- welcome, Scouts, man. man. I'll tell you what, awesome, awesome. You guys do a ton of, ton of stuff for our church, but you also, man, one of the things about scouting, and, and they're going to have information as you leave. If you want to, you're interested in having your kids go through scouting, that kind of thing, teaching life skills. Uh, where are my Eagle Scouts? Where are they at? All right, we got our youth pastor, Keith, man, up here slapping the bass. He's an Eagle Scout. We got, uh, we got Stevens, an Eagle Scout. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ah, uh, no, man, why, all right, right on. So all shapes. So we got, no, we got Eagle Scouts uh, well represented. Also, uh, we have a couple of folks that, and, I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this stuff or how this works. I'm going to move this because I know I'm going to trip here in a little bit. But we also have a couple of folks that just got the Order of the Arrow, right? Now, one of the things that we did, uh, yeah, yeah, so guys want to stand up for Order of the Arrow? Just got it yesterday, right? This is John and Stephanie Williams, a couple of folks in our youth. Um, and uh, interesting thing about this, Stephanie is one of the few women that actually got the Order of, of the Arrow in the nation. So it's kind of, kind of really cool, yeah. Girl power. So we come off this women's conference called Rise, and then, you know, you, wrote, you rose up, got the Order of the Arrow. It's kind of really kind of a neat thing, so... Uh, very cool. So if you're interested in any of the, uh, any of the, the, the scouting and interest in having your kids, we are going to have a table out there with uh, folks going to be, and you guys have done a ton of work. Thank you all for all the trees you actually cut down uh, over the last couple of days too, man. Like it's, we didn't have internet for a couple of days. One of the trees fell down on it and everything. You guys cut it all up and you got it ready for, uh, for the guys on Wednesday night to burn a bunch of wood and sit outside and talk to, talk about Jesus when they do their fireside. So amen. Thank you guys. But give the scouts a hand one more time. And we thank you guys. Thank you guys for all you do. Honored to be a charter, uh, the charter organization for the local scouts, uh, local scout troops. So it's very, very cool. And, uh, as well as the, uh, uh, venturing crew as well as Cubs, everything like that. Like we are all part of that. So we love you and thank you guys very much. And so we are in this series called Believe. How you liking it so far? Good stuff, ain't it? Man, some of these Believe groups that we've got going on, I want you to understand you are not, it is never too late to, I'm going to turn this on too because I am a sweater. I don't know if you guys know this, and it's actually almost 60 degrees outside. So it's going to get kind of muggy in here and that kind of thing. Yes. We didn't have to come in here and worry about ice or snow or nothing like that. Wait, wait, nobody has to, has to put out salt. It's amazing. We can just come in and pray. It's, a, it's incredible, right? So that's really cool. Yeah, really cool stuff. But um, 
Yeah, so we are in this series called Believe, and it's never going to be too late for you to join a, a Believe group and get your Believe book. As uh, you know, we said, the special did run out uh, that we had. Uh, we did have uh, each book for $10. Uh, it did expire on, uh, on, on the 31st. But we are, this month, going to be doing two for 20 um, so if, you, if you're interested in that, it's absolutely, so, uh, it's a, you know, we, I know, I, exactly, thank you very much. And so, so we extended that out a little bit and everything like that, but we actually are out of the big books, the major books. I, uh, we have sold 120 plus books uh, through this, so we've had a lot of people going through this with us. The, the idea for some of the new folks that are, that are here is that we are going through this as a, uh, as a church going through this during the week, and then I preach on it, or someone preaches on it on Sunday, Sunday morning, and it has really kind of like livened up something, like it's unlocked some things for some people. There have been people that have said, man, I feel like I'm getting more out of Scripture, and the whole idea of this series is to help point people to Scripture so that they can read it on their own, amen, right? That's what we're wanting to do, wanting to make sure we do that, because it's never about going through a series, it's never about going through a lesson, it's never about going through a curriculum, it's about helping people understand and, uh, and go into the Scriptures themselves so that they can apply it to their lives the way God has intended us, us to do. Man, a few weeks ago, we talked about Elijah, how he showed up and, and he showed the difference between Baal and the one true God. It's one of my favorite accounts of all history uh, when Baal does that to the Baal, or, or Elijah does that and just dominates that whole scene. It's a fantastic how God showed up and showed himself. A couple of weeks ago, we, we looked, right? God is good and God has a plan for your life. And he, God cares for us. He, God cares for us. Last week, we looked at salvation. We looked at what does it mean? Is it really the only way to heaven? And without any, like, like it's truly amazing to me how, how absolutely real and true the scripture uh, that we're, scriptures that we're reading are. Amen. It's like the word of God is incredible. And when we're reading that, we're understanding that this, that this Jesus that came uh, 2,000 years ago is the only way to, to heaven. It is the only way to salvation. He himself said that I, I like the only way to the Father is, is through me. This week, we're going to talk about the Bible itself. It's one of my favorite, man. If you, were, if you went through the Believe group and you watched the video and that kind of thing, man, this is my jam. Like, I love this stuff. I love the validity of Scripture. I love the fact that we can, we can go into it. Now, here's the thing that I learned on Wednesday night. And we, we had a lot of discussion on Tuesday night in my Believe group. We have a Believe group here on Wednesday night, too. One of the things that we have got to be careful of is that the evidence of the Bible cannot be used to try to win arguments. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I used to do this. As a matter of fact, my man, Kyle Seawasson, our youth pastor now, he was one of my youth when I was youth pastor in Olathe. And I love that story, and it's awesome. He and I used to try to argue with people all the time. Because I was like, hey, man, I could use this stuff to, to win arguments against those who... And, and, but you know what's interesting? As many times... He and I actually argued with an atheist till like 11.30 at night in the middle of the parking lot. And I'm, like, you know, I'm sure his parents are like, dude, where are you, Right? But we were doing, I can't, we, that's what we thrived on, trying to win arguments. Guess what? We've got the argument, but I've never heard anybody ever come to know Jesus because we made the argument against them, look, made them look stupid or anything like that, made them win the argument. This stuff that we're going to learn today and talk about today is, is very important and vital, but it's not as important and vital as the word itself. The evidence of Scripture is 
mountainous. I mean, it's incredible. It's ongoing. It's what actually got me from being a, a fault, like a, a, a somebody who was a church goer and a Christian, and it flipped me into being a, a follower of Jesus, sold out Jesus freak, Bible thumping dude, right? That's what it did to me. I, so it, that, this is what I, I want us to, to be thinking. Some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today, I want us to be thinking about, okay, um, how can I, how can this help me in my faith? Now, if you're an unbeliever, this might just not, this might go over your head a little bit. Or it might, I want you to understand, like, this is something that some people come to know Jesus in the, like, at, at all because of some of the things that we're going to talk about. Like, I just want to prepare us for that because it's a, it's a powerful illustration of how we know the Bible to be true. If you guys remember a couple weeks, or it was the last week, I was telling you about my college days and how we did all kinds of crazy stuff at the dorms and, and that kind of thing, and almost got caught, thought I was going to go to jail, that kind of thing, come to find out somebody's playing a practical joke on me, and I was like, whoo! And I was like, you know, how relieved I was and how much more relieved I was when I found out that I actually get to go to heaven and not, not hell because of Jesus, right? And those kinds of things. Well, one of the things we used to do in, in, in college was I was one of those guys that that me and a, a pack of other guys would go around and we would make fun of Christians. There were a couple of churches on campus and we would go and we would make fun of them as they came out of the church. What a jerk. I know you're thinking that. I might as well say it. Everybody's thinking it, right? And because and, 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 I didn't understand, I thought there was this intellectual uh, lesser than because they were believing in some good that they can't see, Right? And so, for, for, for me, going around making fun of people like that, like me and like you, sounds horrible to me now, but it's like, God, that is incredible. If you can do what you did in my life and show me that you're real and show me that you're, you're legitimate, even after I made fun of people coming out of, like, we would surround, we surrounded people. And say, so you're not really a Christian, are you? Oh, you look at your little Bible. Oh, you know, you sing your little songs in there. You dress your little tie, baby. You look good, right? That kind of stuff. And there was one guy, though, that I cannot, I cannot wait to meet him in heaven. Because this guy, I don't know his name. I can't remember who he is. But I'll never forget. We were like, you're not a Christian. He was like, yeah, I am. Absolutely, man. They go, oh, you know, you go in there, sing your little songs, read your little Bible. That kind of thing. Yeah, man, you guys ought to join me. We didn't know what to do. Everybody else was like, this guy was bold and he loved Jesus and he was not afraid to tell people about it, right? And it made, like, it, it's planted in me, like, okay, there's a guy. Because everybody else would go, leave me alone. Just, just stop picking on me, that kind of stuff, right? This guy was like, yeah, man, you guys ought to come to church with me. Just kept smiling. We're like, dude, we don't know what he's doing, right? How, like, how do I even respond to that? This guy's supposed to cow down like all the other Christians do, right? But it's amazing to me how how God has used his evidence of the Bible and all those kinds of things to really revolutionize my, my walk in him. And I, I tell you what, like, like you start living the way Scripture talks about because you can, man, you can trust the Bible. It's, it's ridiculously proven over and over. Um, some of us get geeked out about different evidences and things like that. As, uh, Elder Daniel and I were listening to a video on the way in about how much our, our, like archaeological evidence of the Bible there is and how, much, how proven it is and how many copies there are compared to every other historical document that's ever been. It's just, just amazingly overwhelming how much evidence we have of it. What's incredible to me about the scriptures, though, 
is that of the, of the 25,000 fragments that we found that comprise about 5,000 complete New Testaments, is that even though they looked at it from hundreds of years apart and in, in hundreds of miles apart throughout the Roman Empire, that the accuracy between all those was 99.8% exactly the same. Meaning that, because you hear the thing, well, you know, those are copies of copies of copies of copies and that kind of thing. But this is evidence that we're actually reading from the original writings that's more like because if we did have copy one of one of the book of john what would people be saying oh we don't really know that's true we don't know that's really the one we don't how do you know that's really the the right one but since we have all these copies and all these fragments and all this stuff like put together and it's 99.8 percent exactly the same we are assured that we're reading translations from the originals amen isn't that incredible i mean think about that you can trust it right you could trust that kind of stuff, man. See, because Paul wrote, the guy we talk about, the guy that persecutes a, a whole bunch of Christians, comes to know Jesus as he's on the way to the road to, to Damascus and is accosted by Jesus himself and sent on a mission. And he wrote, writes most of the New, New Testament we're talking about. He wrote to a young pastor named Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching let me just tell you this, it is profitable for, not just for teaching and learning about the Bible. Listen to this, if we're able to, to say this, for teaching, for rebuking, which means, hey, you're going down this path, right? This is what Scripture says, we need to go down this other path, right? For correcting, hey, you're wrong in this, and that's okay. Like, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a Christian and you believe something incorrect about the Bible, then it's okay to say, hey, this is what Scripture actually actually says amen this is why i tell you any time that i'm teaching scripture you have every right to tell me if i got something wrong i have people in my life that are willing to step up and say you're wrong in this and here's why but here's the here's the the the, the caveat i guess or the rule about that is i want you to point me to the scriptures not to your emotions Does that make sense like the scripture, because I've had people say, well, I think you're wrong on that. So tell me why. Show me why. Well, that's how I was raised. Okay, but what is scripture actually? Well, I'm not sure about that. And so, but, so, but if you see it in scripture and, you're, and I'm wrong about something, I want you to be able to share with me how I'm wrong. I promise to do this. I will correct it next time that, I, that I'm able to speak. Is that fair? That's fair? Because the, the scriptures, if they're, I want to teach them Right. I'd rather be embarrassed a little bit in, uh, in a week than have Jesus, when I see him face to face, I'm going, dude, what were you thinking? It was so obvious what it was. One of the things that Jesus went after he rose from the dead, and this, this blows my mind as well, is that he was saying when he was, when he was risen from the dead in Luke 24, 44 through 45, the, the disciples are like, whoa, man, we saw the Jesus. And, and in, in verse 44, he said, then he told them, these are my words, and he's helping them to be assured of who he is, assured of the word of God. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, this is the entire Old Testament, right, must be fulfilled. And Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish those things, I came to fulfill them, meaning the, everything written prior to Jesus ever coming pointed to him there is nothing like this anywhere else i know that there are a lot of people that say like to say things like the quran is holy to no 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 it ain't got nothing like this 
I know a lot of people say, well, the Book of Mormon and things like that. I mean, it's nothing like this. There is nothing like what we have. And what, what got me to understand that there were evidence of scriptures like that, that truly, truly, like this is what Jesus, taught. like listen to what Jesus said, because this is what he did for me. Then he told them, these are my words, that I spoke to you while I was still with you, before I rose from the dead, right? Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets must, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And see, because there are 360 some odd predictions or prophecies about this coming Messiah. That's it, that when he comes, this is what he's going to do. And it's not like he's going to be a good teacher and a good guy and he's going to do some cool stuff. It's like he's going to be born in Bethlehem. His hands and feet are going to be pierced. He's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he's going to rise. From the, he's going to be counted among thieves, right? And he was between two thieves on the cross. And he's going to be buried in a rich, the rich man's tomb. Over and over and over. It says this is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to look like. This is where he's going to be born. This is how he's going to, be, how he's going to die. And there's no, no way some one person could orchestrate all those things. It's impossible, but God. And there's nothing else like it anywhere. I'm going to read you something that, 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 that I, man, just, I don't even know how to describe this, this prophecy. It's a prophecy out of Daniel 9. It was written about 700 years prior to Jesus ever coming and, and bear, to be, ever being born. Um, and let me read this to you. And I want you to, I want to keep Daniel 9, 25 through 27 up on the screen as I'm going through this illustration, because this just, this is incredible. Um, Daniel 9, this is one of, one of the prophets of, of the Old Testament, says this, know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, that's Jesus, that's the Messiah that's been pointed to from the Old Testament, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and have nothing. Now, you read that and you go, what is this 62 sevens and seven sevens and, and that kind of thing. But, but here's a, this is the prediction of Jesus when he's going to be put to death. And this, uh, guys, what I'm about to show you is, is crazy, amazing, incredible. And it's something that made my knees sort of buck a little bit, made me pee in my pants a little bit, be honest with you. I guess, like, wow. Like, it showed, God showed this thing. But I need three volunteers. Can I get a couple, get three scouts to, to help me out? Here's what I need. I need one scout to, sit, to stand right here. And hold this. You know it's going to put you to work today. All right. And one scout to hand over here. All right, is that pretty balanced? Do we need to move them a little bit that way or that way? Talk to me. That's good? All right, cool. <clears throat> I, should pra- I should practice this. Do you have a calculator, sir? Can you grab a calculator for me? Why are you doing that? Phone? Anything like that? (laughs) (laughs) 
You're never going to ache, Eagle Scout. Rip this order of the arrow right off. No. That's awesome. I love this church. Boy. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one comes, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Do you guys remember the, when we talked about the wall, Nehemiah, the wall, when they were building it and everything like that? And, and oh, yes, thank you. Hey, all right. So we had, what a concept. I could have done that. Yeah, I'm going to need that, actually, so thank you. I was like, this did not work out like I had thought in my mind. Right? This church is so great. You guys are so graceful. Man. We need a professional preacher here, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so, where was it? Daniel 9. So, remember when we were talking about the wall of Nehemiah, when they were building the wall, they had to build the wall while holding a holding a weapon, and they had to bust people's noggins as they were trying to come over the wall as they were trying to build it. And that kind of thing, we talked about building walls and knowing your wall and all that, all that kind of stuff a few weeks back. Well, this is when he's talking about. In, in Nehemiah 2.1, it says exactly the month, in the month of Nisan. Somebody, like, re, like look up Nehemiah 2.1 on your own. But in that, it says that, that Nehemiah is given the decree to, to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, specifically the wall. This, according to the chronological aspects of the life of Christ, we got a little picture up there of that book. I think we should. Do we have that picture there? The chronological aspects of the life of Christ is by a guy, he's a world renowned uh, chronologist called Harold Honer. Harold Honer passed away, I think, about seven or eight years ago, but he is considered the guy that was able to articulate things like and pinpoint when things happen. Uh, according to him, this decree was written, and this is, this is also done by a lot of different scholars, in 444 B.C. Now, I say B.C., a lot of people don't know what B.C. means anymore. Now, it's, it, was, it was B.C.E., before Common Era. It used, before the Common Era, it used to be called before Christ, right? Uh, now, Jesus, according to this, now he said, remember the decree is given, and it will be 62 sevens and seven sevens until the anointed one i'm gonna have to have you back up a little bit so everybody can see you a little bit brother there we go there we go now, jesus was crucified in 33 a.d right and i say this 44 bc was in the in the month of march or april this was uh the month of nisan according to uh nehemiah 2 1 jesus is crucified in 33 a.d around passover right, around March or April, according to Harold Honer, it was actually April 3rd, uh, 33 AD, but, you know, that's, that's what his, that's what he says. Now, we've got the birth of Jesus here, right? So there's, there's, there's debate about where the, where the birth of Jesus lies in all this, and it could be here, and it could be there, but let's just say it's right here, because ultimately this prophecy from Daniel says, from this time to this time is going to be a certain time period. The 62 sevens and seven sevens is, uh, are, are years that he's talking about. Now, this is incredible. I'm going to need you. This is where I'm going to need you, John. You ready? Prepared? Okay, go. Yeah. All right. Can everybody? I may have to, have to move this just a little bit too. Put up Daniel 9, 27, right? There will be seven sevens, right? 
Seven sevens and what? 62 sevens? Help me out because I can't see it. 62 sevens. All right, so seven sevens equal, seven times seven is what? 49, right? 62 sevens is how much? 400, 434. Okay, so if you put those two together, that's 49 plus 434 is what? 483. Awesome. All right, cool. So let's try to see if this calculation is correct according to the, the scriptures. Because if we believe that the scripture is without error, everything in it ought to match up to exactly what, we're, what we'll say, right? So if we're going to calculate, say this is zero, right, when Jesus was born, if we're going to say BC, 444 BC, keep in mind when you start counting, you go one. Two, right? So in the middle of one is not one, it's half of one. Does that make sense? So this would actually be 443.75. See what I'm saying on that? So basically, your March and April is one quarter. So we take out 443.75. Does that make sense to everybody? Kind of go down this. So we're going down this line, right? 443.75. Good so far, right? Now, we've got 33 AD, but this is going to be 32. Since it's in March or April, it's going to be 32.25. Is that right? All right. So you got 32.25. So the years ought to match up to Scripture, right? So what is 443.75 plus 32.25? Oh, this is so good. Uh Uh-oh. Do that again. 443.75. Should match up, man. Oh, no, now we have a problem. Man, I should have practiced this, right? I want you to understand something. (laughs) It's an immovable timeline. In Daniel's day, 700 B.C., they used a different calendar. They used what's called a lunar calendar, which was 12 30-day months. Do you realize that back in ancient times, a lot of times the emperor would have to declare June to be January because it snowed in June? Because the, the, the calendar was a little bit off, right? We have a calendar, calendar today that's 300, how, how many days? 365.25. Then it was 300 60. So it was five days off. So every once in a while, they'd have to make some adjustments, right? So when Daniel made this predict, this prediction, he made it with the lunar calendar in mind. He shows people and prophecies with the language of the day. This is incredible. Now, so what we have to do is basically say, okay, if there's 483 lunar years, how many days is that and convert it to that? So here's what, here's what we got to do. 483 times 360, which is the number of days in a, in a lunar year. Uh, 173,880. 173, Everybody got that? 173,880. Now, if there is 365... days in a year now 
divide 173,800 divided by 365, what are you going to get? Daniel was right. Amen? The Bible is right. 483 years, lunar years, convert them to days, divide by the number of years that we have now, because that's how we calculate all these now. He was right. When Daniel wrote right about here, that when this happens to this happens, is 476 years that we use today. Guys, that ought to make our knees buckle a little bit. Amen. Does that make sense? Guys, give these guys a hand. Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to take these. I'm going to use them again. Thank you all very much. You are prepared, sir. Does that help? Think about that. Let's think through this stuff. Let's, let's use our minds a little bit because this is legitimate, real stuff. We do not have Oh, thank you. We do not have to just wonder whether or not there's legitimacy in the Scriptures. We get to have the Scriptures guide us in such a way that we trust them because we know that beyond any reasonable doubt, they're true, accurate, and real. And, and we know that they're inspired by God. That's the only way that could have happened. Because there's too many people that have died and, and gone away and come and gone and that kind of thing over those you know, 700 years prior to Jesus ever coming. For that just to be a fluke, it was found and real. And so I want to read you a chapter of Scripture with all these things in mind. Second Peter 1, starting in verse 1, says this, and we'll finish with this. Simeon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. This is one of the guys that walked with Jesus. Keep in mind, this is a guy that out of fear denied Jesus three times and became a powerful leader in the church. And he's writing to the, to the church of the day, and he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and the Jesus, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these he has given us every great and precious promise. Uh, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort, listen to this, to supplement your faith with goodness, with goodness, with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, with endur- uh, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. This is a progression of what it looks like. So many of us just say, yep, I got faith, yep, I got faith, yep. But he's saying, grow in this, right? The ultimate maturity is love. Now listen to what he says next. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, we should always be growing in the Lord. Amen. 
They, are, will, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and the Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. And even though you know them and are established in the truth you have, even though you know them and are established in the truth you have, I consider it right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you, wake you up with a reminder, knowing that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has also shown me. And I will also make every effort that you may be able to recall these things at any time after my departure. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths. Listen to this. This is, this is incredible. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, instead we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. These were people that saw Jesus. These weren't people that wrote about Jesus 400 years later. Man. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, a voice came to him from the majestic Glory, this is my beloved son. I take delight in him. And we heard his voice. And it came from heaven while we were with him in the holy mount, on the holy mountain. So we have, listen, the prophetic word that we've just been talking about. The Old Testament that Jesus has been saying is so incredibly important and was all about him. He's saying, we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You will do well to pay attention to it. As to the lamp shining in a dismal place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you should know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. Whenever you hear somebody say, I think it says, run away. It doesn't matter what we think. Amen? I shouldn't say, that's a little strong maybe. Because some things are not clear and I get that. But whenever you hear somebody say, well, I think, man, always understand that's coming from a person, not necessarily from God. Investigate it on your own, right? It's remarkably, beautifully available to us, to us all. And that's one of the things I love about God. He didn't have to do any of this for us, man. He didn't have to. Because some people read that stuff and say, what, what does it mean? Why, why would they even write down the month that Nehemiah got the decree to rebuild your why is that even important why is all the names it was so boring well because historians go back and try to dispute it and verify it right and every time they verify what's in scriptures it's amazing you can trust this because no prophecy of scripture comes from one own interpretation because no prophecy ever came from the will of man instead men of from god Men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Go God. Wow. I just showed you one. That with pinpoint accuracy, we could probably even analyze the days and the hours that would probably come in closer if we really wanted. That, that, is, that is beyond incredible. To me, that God who sees history, controls history, could say this is going to happen and this is going to happen, and boom, it happens. That's ridiculous. 
well, they're all really the same religion and really all the same God. No, they're not. They're not. And this ought to encourage us as believers. And it ought to awaken the hearts of those who are unbelievers going, wow, there's something different. I may need to go explore this, Jesus. Because nothing else has this. See, we can trust the Bible. I don't know what's true. I don't know anything. We can trust it. And I'm encouraging us, if you don't, it is like how many people call themselves believers but do not read the Bible? And they wonder what God's up to and they wonder what God's going on in their lives. Guys, read the Bible every day. Thirst for it. Find it. Read it. Get into it. Study the snot out of it. Obey what Jesus says. It's amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. And when we do this, guys, it's almost like, I don't know, man, it's just a new habit. I got a form. I don't have time. You can take five, ten minutes a day to read a chapter. Man, I promise you. I promise you. Let God open your heart and mind. Pray for it before you go. Get into his word. It's full of stuff that will not only blow your mind with what we talked about today, but, but actually you'll see, oh, that's where that expression came from. I never knew that. Oh, that's why our culture is the way I never knew that. Man, it's the fulcrum for a lot of things. We just don't even understand why we do what we do. Amen? What you learn can mature from a knowledge of God's word into a genuine love of him and other people as he has commanded us to do. Amen. As I pray that this is helpful to you, I pray that this is one of those things where you go, man, I got to get my butt in gear. Right? And for some of us, I'm like, thank you for the confirmation that I've been reading and thirsting for the word for so long. And man, it means something new today. Great, awesome, man. But no matter where you are, let's keep growing. Remember, these things got to keep increasing. We got to keep maturing in different things in knowledge and in, in obedience and in, and in love and in perseverance and ultimately in our love. So, Father, I'm asking a special prayer and covering by your Holy Spirit this morning on our people. You have given your word to us and you didn't have to. But you love us enough to, to give us your word that can guide us in the things that we do, can help us to understand you more, and to, to, to make us closer followers of you so we can be obedient to you, not out of an obedience to a set of rules, but to, out of a devotion and love of you. And may we just do that, God. And I thank you for this church you've made. I thank you for the people you've put in it. And may you awaken our hearts to a closer perseverance, a closer obedience, and a closer love to you. I thank you again for your word. It is in your son's amazing name that we pray. Everybody in the house said,